eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so our Dallas Stars in action Tomorrow against Montreal as they finish their uh, road trip. Win in Buffalo, thanks to Jake Ottinger. And uh tough loss the other night, although, you know, I kind of knew it going in. I just think Toronto's a tough matchup, Sean. And, uh, you know, stars too much time in the box, obviously. Three for three on the power play. Um, and then the league comes out after because there was a little incident where Mason Marchment went up high. And uh, the league has fined Mason Marchment $5,000, which is the league maximum. He does not get a suspension. Uh, so we will see Mason Marchment tomorrow Tomorrow in Montreal. Yeah, it's, it's it, for one, the concept is funny. It's, 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 it's amazing to me that the NHL CBA still makes $5,000 the league maximum because, right, like yeah. Mason Marchment is um, like, what's what's the math on that right mason marchment who's making this year who is is making 4.5 million dollars this year what is five thousand dollars to mason marchment like it's that's it's 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 pretty laughable i mean like five thousand dollars to me that's a lot of money that's a big fine but i'm not making four and a half million dollars when you're making four and a half million dollars like that's it's it's kind of i don't really think it sends that much of a message and it's interesting because Marchman, when this came up, it reminded me there's been a couple other times Marchman has been fined for um, uh, not a, a hit like this, but he's been fined uh, twice or three times. I can't remember whether it's two fines and a warning or three fines for actually embellishment before for diving. Um, and it's it's one of those things where just it's not that he's been suspended or anything like that, but it's kind of one of those things where I don't know. And I'm curious of your opinion on this, Gavin, of when a guy keeps is getting fined a little bit more often than others, does that mean he's pushing too far or does that mean he's just really good at towing the line because there's so much worse that could be happening? I, I don't know. I've been, I've been wondering about this. I was driving around today question. and this, this ran, this random thought, this random bug grabbed into my head and I don't know the answer to it. <laughs> I think I agree with you. I think the NHL should up their fines, but I also think if fines are happening on a regular basis, that certainly should play a key role in a suspension. And you could even put, and I don't know if the players association would agree with this. So many times find in a season, you get a game. 
Because, I mean, you yeah, know, the NBA has something like that where so many technicals in a season, you get a game. Yeah. So, and I think it's uh, – and there's an equivalent in – in, in European soccer, right? Like if, if a player gets X amount of yellow cards, you get a game too. So like there is a, there is a, you can do it. It's not the, it, there's definitely a, other sports have set the precedent where this is possible. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough game for Mason too, because on that fourth Toronto goal, he completely lost his man. And, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> Lud sent me a text with a big circle around him and then the circle mm-hmm. around the Toronto player. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just a tough game for uh, Mason, who I think is, you know, I mean, we all know he's played so much better this year. And, you know, we haven't talked about, you know, oh, this has been a bad signing and stuff. And it's been really great to see him on the Duchesne, um, Duchesne line. I just, you know, hopefully those antics are kept to a minimum. Hopefully it was just, you know, playing hard. Uh, I've said all week, though, Sean, in our post podcast and with Luds the other day, I felt that game also changed. Obviously, the time in the box, so therefore the power play. But I felt as though Toronto exerted some physicality, um, and I think that kind of changed the game as well. They were pushing the stars around. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, it was also an interesting game, too, for Dallas. And, you know, both teams were coming off of the break. It was both both teams are coming off that, but playing a second game of a back-to-back on the road is never exactly easy right so i think there was some element to that um and it was it was kind of one of those games where to me one of the weird things about it was if there was any lesson from the buffalo game the night before where um it would have been a little bit to me there would have been like okay let's as a group, let's let's set the tone a little bit more. Let's do this. Let's do that. And that that's something where I realize I'm nitpicking, completely nitpicking. But that's something I would have liked to see a little bit taken from. Like, hey, we got out, we got bombed, we got bombed at five, we got we got bombed at five on five in the opening period on Monday night or on t- uh, Tuesday night against uh, against Buffalo. Let's be better about this. Come on, guys. Yeah. Like that's the one lesson I would have liked to kind of see. And I think that kind of set that Toronto set the tone physically then, and it pushed Dallas around a little bit, and the Stars had their comeback push at the end. But it's the kind of the age old the the old adage, right? Like you can't win a game in the first twenty minutes, but you can lose one, and they just put themselves in too much of a hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, and I don't I don't think Wedgwood played bad. I, I just think no, no, oh, no. Man, he so, didn't, yeah. I mean, clean looks against those those high value players of Toronto. That's that's those are tough saves. Well, and you also can't have like it's, you, it's the penalty kill. You I mean you got to be better. You can't let a team go three for three on the power play, right? Like I don't even think the you can't let a team go three for three on the power play. And the other thing about it is, you like when you are getting opportunities and you have like those windows, sometimes you just need to stop the bleeding, right? To me. The, the Austin Matthews goal that made it 3-2, that was kind of, to me, that was the, the turning point of the game, right? Because it felt like the inevitability, right? Toronto had scored on the first power play. They had scored on the second power play. And to me, that was the power play where it's a 2-2 game. Um, and for, from a Dallas perspective, like, like come on, okay, let's, let's, let's get it together. Let's stop this. And it almost felt like, 
um, from the minute that penalty was taken, it felt like Toronto was going to score. And when you couldn't change that feeling, that's when the game kind of got away from me, even with the, even with the, I know it was, I know it was technically a tie game early in the third period after the Dadanoff penalty shot and everything, but it was just, it, it was that combined with the Marner goal after the Dadanoff one that just made it feel like, okay, you had to stop the inevitability. You had to do something to do it. And you didn't put up enough um, of an obstacle for Toronto here. Yeah. If my math plays right, Sean, if Mason Marchman plays 900 games, that will equate to his salary for one year. Yes. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's let's talk about Montreal. They came into the AAC and played really well earlier this year. So um, while it's not one of the elite teams in the NHL, I think it's still going to be a a tough game. It is a matinee, and matinees, anything can happen. Legs get a little time going. The Stars do have uh, a day off, so that's good. They get some rest. But uh, I'm interested to watch this game, and I'm interested to see if it's a different game than the first one we watched here in Dallas. Yeah, I, I like the matinee games personally. I know Me too. It's, uh, I, I think it's. Uh, I, I think the league should do – I actually love the schedule this weekend. I think there's like, if you look around the league um, on the Saturday, there's one, two, three, four, five, five games that are like afternoon games. I love those. I, I think we've talked about it before. I've confessed my love for afternoon hockey games because I think it's great. It allows you to a have games throughout the day. If you want to sit and watch games all day, like you can, like if you are uh, on Saturday, you can watch stars Canadians at one Bruins Capitals at 3:30 and then and then watch the evening games. Like I think it's great for the sport. I just think it's great for in person. I think it's great for families to get kids to games and everything like that. And plus, you take everyone to the game, you go out, you get to have dinner afterwards. It's a nice day. Like I love that. Anywho, Montreal. Interesting team because they are kind of right in that spot where they are surprised they are like I expected Montreal to be, I didn't expect Montreal to be eight points out of a playoff spot at this time of season, Gavin. Like, I don't think they're a playoff team and I'm not pretending they are. Yeah. Um, but I didn't expect Montreal to be better than Ottawa, better than Buffalo. Um, I probably expected them to be better than Columbus. But like, like I, I, there, there's certain teams where in the Eastern conference they're a little bit closer than i thought they would be and they're kind of in that really weird mushy middle they play a style that is that can be entertaining at times um they let up a lot of goals they, they let up a lot of goals i was going to bring that um, up so they're can, fourth in the league in yeah. goal differential with negative 36 yeah so like they let up a lot of goals um but they tend to play like it's it's one of those teams where they're in it until they kind of break and we're still kind of going through this fascinating experiment with Marty St. Louis as a coach, because I think Marty St. Louis is a great development coach. I think he's done really good things for some of the young players there. I think Nick Suzuki's gotten better. Cole Caulfield's gotten 
better um, uh, playing for even uh, Uri Slavkowski, the uh, first round pick, first overall pick from a couple of years back. I think they've individually all gotten better. Um, and of course, uh, in, in that case, has made the Canadians better as a team. But I don't know if Marty St. Louis is a good team coach. It's it's a really interesting distinction because, like, I would, I would all, always, if I was making a coaching staff, I would mark Marty St. Louis on it because I think he would do great things for my skill players. I just don't know about him as a head coach, and I'm still learning that. And it's interesting to watch that team because, at some point, the other weird thing about Montreal, Gavin, is at some point the team has to become Nick Suzuki, has to become Yaris Lukowski. It has, has to become Cole Caulfield's team. Right now, it's one of the weird teams, like how the Patriots used to be, where when Bill Belichick, it was Bill Belichick and the Patriots, yeah. and obviously Tom Brady too, but like it feels like Marty St. Louis and the, and the Canadians, and until the Canadians become a team where a player gets first billing, I don't know if they can kind of take that next step, if that makes sense here. Yeah, and they're also on a three-goalie rotation, which is interesting too. <laughs> I, I don't mind that. Like, I actually, I'm fascinated with to see, like, I actually think they're doing that the right way where when they have a guy, when they have guys playing, when they've got a back-to-back or whatever, they send the starter off to the next city and everything like that. I think that's great. But at some point you got to think they're going to trade Jake Allen, right? One of these teams at the deadline has to line with, with goalie struggle, goalie trouble. It's going to trade for Jake Allen, right? Come on. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I'm I'm so interested in the NHL trade deadline this year with Allen and, and flurry and um, you know, Maybe Gibson in Anaheim getting moved. Um, but, you know, it's so interesting with goalie salaries, too, if teams can fit them in and who they want. So uh, it's going to be a fascinated uh, trade deadline. And, of course, we're looking at right-handed defensemen across the league and saying, you know, who can, who can we pick up? So I uh, did want to point out, as we move across the league now, NHL.com, Dan Rosen is their senior writer. And the 2025 Four Nations face-off is going to be held next February, and it's replacing the All-Star Game with NHL players from Finland, Sweden, Canada, and the United States competing in a round-robin tournament. Sean, the only thing I'll say about this, and I had this, I know they put it together quick, and we'll get to Dan's column in a second, but I hate to see teams from other nations missing out and not being able to be in there based on country. And so I was thinking, how cool would it be if there could be like a a German-Czech combo or something where you take a few countries and put them together, and that would be a team as well? Yeah, it's the thing where they did did the Team Europe thing at the last World Cup of Hockey where they also did Team North America and everything like that, and I thought that was fun. I I did think that was fun. I, my my issue with this, I think this tournament had to happen. And I think I get a bit, I think in my best solution, and it's whenever you complain about something, you should probably come with a solution, right? I think that's the best way to look at life. Um, I think you had to do something like this to get the ball rolling. Like, I think that just, I, I think something had to start it. That's, and that's okay. Um, I don't like that we've got, David Pasternak is going to be probably one of the Hart Trophy finalists this year, based yep. off how things go, right? Like, and we're not going to have, and now we're not going to have one for sure because obviously Russia is involved, and with Nikita Kucherov will be a finalist for the Hart. But like, fact is, now we're not going to have David Pasternak too because the Czechs aren't involved, and so Leon like, Dreisaitl. I think, yeah, and and Dreisaitl is an interesting one because I think the Germans are really close, but they're like that 
that's eighth team right now because they don't have enough depth. Mm -hmm. Um, and since this is an NHL tournament, so my solution would have been, and you could have built it this way and you could have sold it this way. My solution would have been to make it a six team tournament because right now you have two great traditional hockey rivalries, international hockey rivalries, say Canada and Sweden, Finland, Sweden, Finland is going to be awesome. I have been looking forward to that one. And from a stars fans perspective, you're going to have a lot to watch with team Finland. I think you could have brought the Czechs and Slovaks as well. And then you could have built it as, Hey, we're bringing three of the biggest traditional rivalries, Czechs, Slovaks, um, Finns, Swedes, and, 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 and the, uh, and obviously USA, Canada. So I think you could have done it that way. I think Germany's close, but I think Germany is still at the spot where aside from five or six players, you don't have the, you don't have enough NHL depth to fill out the roster for an NHL tournament. Now I think, Germany is going to be one of those sneaky teams in the uh, actual Olympics in 2026 because, like, there's going to be you're going to get Drysaddle, you're going to get an older Tim Stutzla, an older Moritz Sider, you're going to get some of these guys who probably felt like they were a uh, little got a little bit short shrifted by not being at the uh, at this tournament to maybe prove something there. So I think there's there's elements there, um, but. Yeah, I, let's let's get back on track here. You were talking about the team. Well, no, I, yeah, let's talk and, about that. And, and so <laughs> Dan Rosen did a really cool article where he does a projection a year out of Team USA. So I ask you, Sean, how many players from the Dallas Stars do you think are on this Team USA roster? For Dan, based on, I've already seen Dan's projection. So you think, my, oh. so I'll give you my, I'll, from, from my roster, if I'm building it, right? Yes. I have so, two in my roster. Maybe three. I actually have, I actually have three. Okay, and I'll give and I'll explain why. Um, so I have Jason Robertson on there. Yep. I have Joe. I actually have Joe Pavelski on there um, Ooh, too because I've seen I've seen I've seen some of the other projections, but I have Joe Pavelski on there because I think in a short tournament, in a short in a short tournament, everything like this, I think a lot of this is going to be. You're going to want to find instant chemistry. You're going to want to find whatever little edge you need. And I also think it's going to be a tournament where whichever special teams get going fastest are going to win this tournament. And there's still, even if he's 40 years old at the time, which he will be, like there's still no one better in the world in front of the net in the slot than Joe Pavelski on the power play. Mm. He can be, and, and, and I, I look at Joe Pavelski as the type of player who you have him and Robertson on the team. They could be, they could be paired up. They could play together. I still would put Pavelski on this team. Um, I know he's, I'm, I'm probably some people think he's probably aged out. I, I still think he could be, and should be considered because I think, for example, I look at a guy like some of the other guys I see, like I'm looking at, uh, at the NHL.com story right now where Alex they've done DeBrinket. some projections. Yeah, like Debrinket or even like a like as good as as good as Tage Thompson is, like Tage Thompson is a is, is a roving cannon. There's a lot of roving cannons on this team. There's there's Kyle Connor, there's there, there there's there's Kyle Connor, there's you've got you've got a lot of guys who can shoot the puck. I don't see a lot of guys on this team USA that are going to bring what Pavelski brings to the power play in the slot in front of the net. Yeah, that's so a, I would that's actually interesting. Ra- yeah, I would. That's that's how 
Oh, I see Pavelski being on this team. Um, the other, and then I take, and then the other one that is, I'm actually I, I think this is people overreacting to um, perceived percentage this season when they don't put Ottinger on the team. But like to me, it's pretty clearly Hellebuck, Demko, and Ottinger are your three team USA goalies. Agreed. Goalies. I know Swayman's having a great year with Boston, but you can't tell me that you don't look at what Ottinger can do in a short stretch or what Hellebuck can do. It like to me, it is. I, I I think it's it's pretty silly that you don't anyone that doesn't have Ottinger because I think people are overreacting to save percentage this season when Swayman is. Yeah, I mean Sw Swayman Swayman's a fifty fifty goalie. I mean, exactly. yeah, so I, I, you're yeah. you're basically putting in. I mean, I hate to use the term backup because he's terrific, um, but mm -hmm. you you're using someone that shares the net minding as opposed to someone who takes on the load as far as net minding. So that's, yeah. Yeah. You know, the other one that I had on there because it's projected a year away, you know, I understand the Brock Faber love, but I think we're going pretty quick. I'm interested to see where Thomas Harley is in a year. That's a great, that's a great point. That is a great point because I think Thomas Harley has a, we've seen the breakout in Dallas, but we, uh, that is, I, I definitely, I mean, I, I like Faber. Faber's a really good player, yes. but like, but Thomas, but to me, would you trade Gavin? If I, if I gave you one for one, if I, if I'm, if I'm, if I give you, put, give you access to Jim Nill's phone and Bill Guerin calls and he says, Hey, I'll give you Brock Faber for Thomas. It's Harley straight up. Are you doing it? No. And that's my answer. Yeah. So that's too. the, like, like, like that's, that's my point. So, um, it's uh, so yeah. I, it's it's definitely a uh, there's yeah. But you know what I you know what I do like about this tournament and what I do like about the Olympics is I believe they and the World Championships and the World Juniors it creates chatter and it also creates pride yeah. in country. So while I appreciate All Star Games and the skills competition they just don't create the chatter that a country creates. So yes. um, I think there might be some extra so eyes agree. on, you know, anytime you put that USA, I mean, heck, I, you know, whatever the sport, I personally, I like curling. Any sport that has USA on it, I'm like, I'm in, you know, love yeah. it. You put that sweater on, that's something I asked Hannah Vilka, um, you know, what was it like putting that USA sweater on for the first time? And she just said it's surreal. So, I mean, that's that's a perfect example of, you know, I mean, you're representing your whole country. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. So it was a uh, was a very interesting, uh, very interesting article. Well, you are a beast, sir, and uh, appreciate yeah. you carving I do think, some time. Yeah, I, yeah, before before we go too far, Gavin, real quick, it is going to be interesting to see how the the stars stars faithful lines on this this tournament because obviously we're looking at Team USA is going to be an easy, interesting rooting interest, but it's going to be interesting when. Um, because Team Finland, conceivably and likely, depending on whether Yanni Hockenpah resigns with Dallas or not, is going to have four stars on the team. Like the Team Finland is going to be be the most star-heavy team. Obviously, with Ropa Hintz and Miro Hishkin and Essa Lindell, and, uh, and and Yanni Hockenpah is still a top-four defender for Finland. Like if Yanni Hockenpah resigns with Dallas, which we don't know, could happen, could not. He's a UFA this summer. Like you could have, like we we always joke about Dallas being. Finland South and well it's it's gonna 
to be true. So I think it's it's going to be there's going to be some pretty clear rooting interests of who are the top two teams for for Stars fans in this uh, yeah. in this tournament. Yeah, you know, heck yeah. And by the way, Kari Lettinen still skating with the Stars alumni, so he'd be available as well. He uh, well, that's uh. I don't think he's going to beat out Yuzi Saros for that one. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I did, I did, I, I did want to add it. I talked about this with Luds the other day. It's, it is cool because I mean, kudos SMU. You know, they had some you know pretty quick skaters on the ice, and it was it was fun. But just the mindset of the NHL player and the positioning is so unique. You know, even Luds broke up a two on one. And I just watched his positioning and I talked to him about it. And he, like, he was so excited. He's like, you see my positioning? He's like, I played that two on one perfect. And I'm like, you really did Luds. So it was it's kind of interesting. Like, and I know we talk about the athletic ability, but just the mindset of the NHL compared to other levels, as far as where to be in positioning and knowing where the puck's going to go. It's just a massive part of the game, Sean. Was Luds wearing the giant shin guards? No. No, I slimmed down a bit, huh? Wow. You know, so a couple things. Uh, I got some updates on them. Um, they are in a case. Um, he still has them. But he told me, I didn't realize that they actually were not that big, but over the years they kept widening out. And that's why people perceive them as big. But that's just because they wouldn't go back in. <laughs> That's a classic. That that is a very it's it's what's the the old uh they don't make them like they used to type thing. Like it's today's shin guards aren't aren't, aren't lasting that long, and they're uh, <laughs> probably a bit safer technically for their size. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, yeah, he was talking the other day. Um, he was uh, given some new pants, and the first thing he did was took the padding out of the pants. <laughs> He cut down his uh, shoulder pads as well. And, you know, he said when he was playing, he cut a lot of his equipment down. And he's like, yeah, probably not the smartest move. But it is funny that these, you know, NHLers, and as as we advance as far as protection, they're trying to get rid of the protection so they could be more free on the ice. It's funny. It's, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well I, uh... I know Sean. Sean's extra padding <laughs> yeah. up to play net, right? Um, I, well, yeah, I mean, as a goalie, you're, it's the one thing that you got to take care of yourself on. Right. The, the thing that I, um, probably the one thing that I don't know, this is not too much information. It's just true. It's one of the things that most goalies do. If you want kind of a funny random hockey thing that some people I didn't realize, didn't realize, but like when I play goalie, I wear two cups actually really? as, as much as I didn't expect. Yeah. I wear a traditional player one, and then I wear the much larger goalie one because uh, you're can't be too careful when you're getting uh, when. Wow. When when shots are getting fired at you. Yeah, so. no, it totally makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally get it. By the way, you you just you slipped in a nice four game heater with your uh, club team. What's your save percentage? <laughs> they uh, unfortunately they they don't keep track of it well. There have been games where. Uh, so we had a game where we won four nothing two weeks ago, and I'm intentionally bringing that one up because I had a shutout. And uh, <laughs> the shots, uh, the shots on the official score sheet taken by the scorekeeper were four nothing in the game. So, <laughs> <laughs> so on the official score sheet, both goalies ended up with a zero point zero zero save percentage, even oh. though it was three nothing. So, uh, uh, they uh. 
they used to be they used to keep better track of stats in the league and then uh they uh they did it for a little bit and then i'm sure too many people complained about one wrong thing or the other and they just uh, decided uh we're just uh we're just keeping track of goals and assists so <laughs> well you got a clean sheet and that's what matters that's a, that, that's what matters yes, my that's what matters uh, my, most, so. my favorite goaltender well thank you so much you can read Sean at uh Shap Shots uh, at D Magazine uh where else can we find Sean the movie coming out the name of the book is called We Win Here uh he's a busy man but it's so great that he can join us uh spits and suds on a on a weekly basis thank you so much beast we'll talk to you uh next week looking forward to it, Gavin and uh, everyone thank you for listening Yeah, absolutely. And thanks to one and all for listening to Spits and Suds. We'll be on tomorrow after the game. So once Montreal ends, I'll pop on and uh, give you my thoughts uh, as the stars end this road trip. And then next week, Tuesdays and Thursdays games, David Castillo will join us for D Magazine. So we have uh, some big guests coming up in the next few weeks. So always excited to talk to you and talk DFW hockey right here on Spits and Suds. Have a great day, everyone.